Eric, I feel guilty. Why? Didn't even say easy. How are you? I just, I just feel guilty. Uh, last week I didn't do a whole. Do you owe me lot. money? Uh, no, 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 I owe you money. No, what do you mean I owe you money? You might owe me money. I owe you money. <laughs> Give me a tenner and see how your guilt feels. <laughs> I still feel the exact same. <laughs> but I, uh, I spent another week on the on, on the Guinness last weekend. It's come quite a habit now. It's twice in September. I did. I'm kind of glad September's over and done with. But uh, I didn't go for my long run on, on Sunday. Uh, plans fell apart for my my marathon that I was gonna uh, at the end of, at, in October, which I will could I, could I hinted on it. I will talk about it again, but unfortunately, it's a time sensitive thing that I can't talk about right now. And then I heard about the the thoroughbred marathon that's out in Kildare Town, and, and there's a picture of a horse in the middle. I'm like, I want that. So <laughs> I signed up to that one. On, <laughs> that's the only reason. I mean, I'm getting two medals for doing a marathon at the end of October. So I, I signed up to that, and I had a quick look at my Strava. Last week, I ran a grand total of 7K, the week before 5K. Now, I was doing 40, 30, 40Ks and stuff like that a, a week. And now I'm like, I've got three weeks to build myself up to this. Whereas before, I was just going to do the marathon for the sake of it. Uh, so to be honest with you, I was just going to stroll it. Like I was going to do like a, a 420, a 430, and just make a day of it afterwards and all the rest. And now I'm kind of like, well, it, it's an official event now. So so just strolling it, it, it is not going to cut it because had I just strolled the virtual, I, I, I can't go for a PB because if I got a PB, it, it wouldn't count. Like my watch says my last one was 347, whereas the official time is 349. So stuff like that, you can't really say it's a it's an official marathon. But now that it is an official marathon, it's official, it's AAI certified marathon. I'm like, I kind of got to go with this. And, and I feel guilty because I didn't do a whole lot of running last weekend. And, and our guest this week did a lot more than that. Yeah, this week's guest, Rachel, is definitely going to make it the guilt feel a little bit worse Sean unfortunately <laughs> you may strap on put on the seatbelt however I think with three weeks though you kind of need to take your own advice and it is what it is at this stage and just yeah. do a training you can and, and pick a pace that's reasonable and uh, see how you are towards the 30 kilometer mark that that's pretty much all I can do now. Is a thirty kilometer mark anything goes? Uh, I've done a few runs of 23, 24 k and stuff. I will get a I'll, I'll get a twenty four, twenty five k in uh, this afternoon. Uh, because we set because we're recording this on Saturday afternoon for you guys. Uh, myself and the big man are away to Birmingham for for a day trip in the morning. We'll talk about that in next week's podcast. Won't give any more away in that one. Hopefully, it's a couple of stories from it. Um, so I'm gonna get my long run in there t- uh, after this. We wrap this up. And hopefully, no, I know for a fact I'm going to be inspired to get the long run in after I hear about this week's guest. <laughs> yeah, so we'll just crack into today's show, Sean. I think we've we've teased enough. We'll get packed for Birmingham and hopefully have good stories for next week. On that note, guys, enjoy this week's episode of the Any Given Run Day podcast. Um, water paint just means you use a lot of water with it. Oh, but you're still painting. Yeah. You just have really watery paint instead of normal paint. You're getting into the technicalities on this one, Rachel. You're, you're going painting and eating sushi. Let's, let's go to Spain. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Rachel, this podcast is all about eating sushi and water painting. I'm, I'm going to snooze for the rest of it and let Eric take over the question. But with that said... 
because you had a big build up and an intro before the podcast, that is your intro to being return <laughs> guest of the Any Given Run Day podcast. Rachel, how the hell are we? Good, I'm very good. How are you guys? Not oh, too bad. Really curious about this sushi and water paint night, but we will not... we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it too. I've only had sushi a handful of times, but I do quite like fish. So I'm excited. Yeah. Sushi's nice. I like, I know it's like, do you know the way when you go to an all you can eat? Well, I don't know. Maybe Rachel doesn't go to an all you can eat, but Fat Eric used to go to all you can eat. Sean came with me a couple of times. He did. But it's like, don't eat the rice because you're just wasting space for all the meaty parts. But sushi just has that little wrapping of rice and all the little seaweeds and stuff. And it's really, really tasty. But then I'm kind of like, where's the fish? It's always so little, little snipples of fish in the middle. And yeah, I'm never really happy with it. I always you're not feel happy like with it because of seaweed in it. That's what you're not happy about. <laughs> no, it's just like, yeah. Anyway, come on, we'll get on with something else. Right, so we'll get on with something else. Um, the last time we were talking to you, you, you were blowing our minds with your fast time doing 5Ks, you're doing it in 16 minutes and stuff like that. And then you went on to say that this was back in maybe March, April, with the last time you had you in the podcast. And then you were building in towards your triathlon season. And that was that was the goal, as far as I remember from the last podcast, correct me if I'm wrong, that you're going to build triathlons. You're doing your first triathlon this year. And I believe you've, you've done that triathlon if I'm wrong, God, my notes are all over the shop. Um, so how has been your training leading up to that first track line? Yeah, um, no, you're spot on. So notes are on point. Um, when I was last speaking to you, I was on the, in the middle of the Zwift Racing League. So the season <laughs> three of that. Um, but again, we won't go into Zwift anymore. <laughs> um, so then obviously summer months approaching, I um, I actually started open water swimming. Because I think I mentioned in the last podcast, that was always a big hesitation for me. And I know, Eric, you feel the same way about the open yeah. water. It was just yeah. kind of really, that was holding me back. Like I could run, I could cycle, I would do that all day. Getting into an open body of water, I couldn't do it. So what actually happened was one of the guys who I ended up training for the triathlon with, he was doing a charity swim. He was planning on swimming 13 kilometers, so the whole perimeter around Loch Owl in, just outside Mullingar. And he just had it up on Facebook. So I donated to the charity and I just messaged him. I said, look, I said, if you're going down to the lake, I said, I'd be really interested. Like, I do really want to start like open water swimming. And yeah, I think about a week later, I had ordered a wetsuit and I was on my way down to this lake. Mid-June, and that just kind of kicked off triathlon. I suddenly wasn't focused purely on cycling. I was back running. And then now I discovered this whole underwater world <laughs> and fell in love with open okay, water swimming. Ariel. Let's <laughs> get my mermaid fins out. I went uh, I went swimming with Rachel one of the days, Sean. Rachel was like, yeah. Oh, I've only done one swim. And I was like, Great. Two people near drowning along the, the banks of Lockall. And uh yeah, Rachel left me in her wake. I was <laughs> like 300 meters behind her struggling to breathe. She was gone. She was like, Oh, I'm not that good. I was like, Oh my god, I wanted to drown her myself only. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was absolutely ridiculous. I was like, oh, I felt bad. 
did you get over it then, Rachel, after that one or two sessions? You were just completely over open water swimming and you were you were good to go? Yeah, like I think the first time, and um, what's really reassuring about Lock Owl is we started at the diving board and there is like a rocky section hugging the shore. So you're never, if you just swim up and down the shore, you're never too far from where you can stand. Gotcha. And I think that's what I needed. I always had this vision of being stuck in a lake or somewhere, not being able to stand. And then I went here and I realized, okay, there's all rocks underneath me. Like there's no sea monsters that I can see. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> so, and, except for me. Loch Ness loves. But I just did that. I just stayed within my comfort zone. Um, and it didn't actually take yeah. me long till I ventured out a bit further. Gotcha. And then we went to another lake in Collinstown, Loch Lean. And the, there was a group of us. And one of the lads was like, okay, what will we do? Will we like go up the side, cut across the middle, come back the other side? And someone else was like, no, we'll just swim a kilometer out and swim a kilometer back. And I was there looking like, oh my God, like mm. what? Like I've never been here before. Um, so, you know, I kind of just had to, you know, there was people all around me. I purchased one of those um, floats. So they're the orange boys that you tie around your waist. Okay. So if you get into difficulty. And I think it was small safety precautions like that, like never going on my own, having the wetsuit on, um, having that that pull boy behind me, um, you know, made it okay. And once I survived that swim, I was like, okay, I, I think I can conquer anything. Yeah, it is, it is a real kind of mental block when you're when you're trying to get in it. And Sean could probably vouch for it because Sean can't swim. Well, he's working on it. But work is, slow uh, progress slow process um but it is a uh it is a kind of big mental block especially when you're it's like that when you haven't been somewhere you have to get in and then all of a sudden you you have to swim out a kilometer to a boy and back and it's like uh yeah it's just there's something terrifying about it there is something to, for me anyway i don't know i, I think it, i think it is quite common in ireland that the, the reason people don't do triathlons is their one lack of ability to swim or two fear of water and for an island nation, we have a severe lack of ability to swim. And Our waters are massive cold. amount of fear of water. Yeah, the waters are cold, but like you still think, you know, we we learn how to swim in warm <laughs> swimming pools. Like, and <laughs> um, so I did start the week I started was the really sunny week we had. So like that completely ruined my perception of swimming in Ireland. Gotcha. <laughs> like so warm, the sun was shining. There was people going in without wetsuits. And now we're in the winter months and I'm like, okay, I see that was not actually a true picture of what it's like. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was actually funny. We went on with our wetsuits on and people were barely wearing clothes this day and they were looking at us putting on wetsuits like where are they going in their wetsuits scuba steve and his pals getting into the water but it's, oh. uh, it is a, it is and that is why triathlon is a fantastic summer sport because the water temperature does increase and it is actually really really enjoyable to be in the water um you probably noticed Rachel when you were doing the sea swim or maybe it was a little bit uh, it was out in Westport, you were doing it. Did you notice a temperature drop when you were in the water this time for the race? No, actually, um, I think it was pretty fine. Like, um, lakes are actually 
or supposedly colder. And Lock Owl, one of the one of the locals was describing it to us one day. Oh, I can't even remember what they said, but basically, I don't know if it's a reservoir. I think I think I'm getting this completely wrong. But Lock Owl always tends to be colder than the sea. Hmm. So I have heard that they do tend to be colder. But I, I suppose it's because they don't have currents. Because um, obviously the underflow of currents from the Gulf of Mexico all that yeah. kind of heats, heats the water and the 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 global currents kind of keep it at a standard standard temperature. But in fairness to the lakes over the rocks, obviously the heat on the rocks keeps the water kind of above it. Like so, when we say there's rocks, it's about probably fifty meters wide, um, and it's kind of like a single level, about a meter deep, meter and a half deep. Um, and it's just rocky. So when you're swimming over that, it's actually nice and warm. And then if you venture out into the deeper water, you're like, ooh, it just got cold. You can kind of, you can feel the temperature difference uh, when you're swimming over the rocks and that. So it it was actually really enjoyable. The only not enjoyable part for me was the ability to swim, but the actual water experience got a lot better. And it it, it was a great place to train, Rachel, you're right. It, it was reassuring to know at any point I could just lift my head up and stand up on the spot. It might take you a second to find your footing because there's rocks underneath you. But yeah, it was actually, it was really nice, a kind of a mental win that you could actually swim 500 meters and know that you could stand up at any point. Yeah. You're giving me a geography lesson now, this Gulf Streams and all the rest. But uh, just to, to dumb down the geography a little bit for me, where is Lockell? Mullingar. Ah, okay. Got you now. Just if you want people listening going, hey, that sounds like a cool place to train and stuff. Where, where is it to head down towards Joe Dolan country and start training there? Um, <laughs> I suppose like with the wetsuits, just to, not obviously I don't assume like that, but I would assume you're best off wearing that as much as you can because come race day, you kind of have to wear the wetsuit. Is it like, it, I don't know if it's restrictive or anything like that. It's it's good to, to train the clothes you're, you're, you're training in or is that just any, any issue at all with, with wetsuits? Well, I think the image that most people would have, and certainly the image I have of wetsuits, is the wetsuits you'd hire when you go surfing. Hmm. That's kind of the mental image I had of which can be quite restrictive. But I think the proper triathlon or the swimming wetsuits, they're designed so that they're different thicknesses in different parts of the body. Okay. So like around the arms and say where your joints are, they're quite thin to allow for that greater movement. Um, and surprisingly, there's no restriction at all. Um, you know, you wouldn't believe how freely you can move in it. Um, I do think it is beneficial to train in it because, number one, you're more buoyant. So you might as well practice that for when it comes to race day. Um, but yeah, I, I, I certainly um, don't think I would swim without it <laughs> because even just going back to the whole the safety thing, if you get into difficulty and you have your wetsuit on you, if you just like roll over, you can just float. The wetsuit really? aid with your buoyancy. Now, not completely, but you know, it does give you that extra buoyancy. So you're not going to sink with it on. Yeah, it is. It's kind of good. And the, the swimming kind of wetsuits have that kind of neoprene kind of seal look. You're kind of that slick kind of um <laughs> oily look is is probably the best way so um so they are quite flexible there is a good bit of stretch in them as well so particularly when you're reaching forward with your arms like it's quite as Rachel was saying thin under the armpits and uh down towards the lower limbs and stuff but it has around I think it's five mil around the waist so that thickness um does act like a little bit of a buoyancy that helps keep Mm. your hips up um but it's 
it's a uh, I probably need about 20 mil around the waist and a propeller on the back of me, <laughs> to be completely honest. <laughs> uh, the wetsuit only gets you so far. Uh, but yeah, it is really good. And how did you find, I suppose for me, Rachel, I know you were getting some swims in in the pool as well. How did you find balance in the whole training schedule, I suppose? Um, I think it was fine over the summer because... I probably mentioned in the last podcast, I am a secondary school teacher. So I had the whole summer off um, and I kind of dedicated a lot of time to training. Now, still not crazy hours, but, you know, I try and maybe swim in the morning and that freed me up to do stuff during the day. Um, But it was just about making sure every week I kind of had an idea in my head of how many times I wanted to do a particular sport. So I might like cycle. I want to do it four times this week. I might want to swim three or four. I might want to run three, whatever it was. I just kind of had that in my head and I worked around it. And then I just started training with, like I mentioned, um, Martin earlier, who I started swimming with. Um, I just kind of started tagging along with what that group was doing. Um, so, you know, I, was very flexible that if they were like oh we're actually going swimming tonight are you free i'd be like yeah absolutely so um i wasn't very strict on it just sort of had in my head like i said i wanted to do this amount of runs this week and just fitting it in so that i got decent recovery but still hit my targets you you say decent recovery but uh your name was mentioned this podcast around I'd say eight weeks ago when Darrow was doing his run down the barrow and you just casually did a half marathon, you're supposed to do 5k. So uh, I'm not so sure about like how far ahead of the target you were going. How long was your training until your, <laughs> um, your, your first triathlon? Or was it just, was just the, the one big one you did or was it was a few different triathlons before this big one we're talking about you did last week? Um, no, it was just that one. So I had actually planned on doing a tie, which would have been three weeks beforehand. And yeah. all the guys I was training with, they were doing Westport. But I signed up for a tie and I was like, no, no, like I'm not going to do Westport. Um, I said a tie is nice and close, like it's the river. It, it should be fine. And it was local enough that, you know, I've cycled the route. I've swam in the river. You know, I did like these, um, you know, previews, let's say, of the yeah, preparation days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then that ended up getting cancelled. Um, nothing to do with COVID. It was apparently they couldn't get the road closed. Or- it's okay, Rachel. I went on a five minute rant <laughs> on one of our episodes about this. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're more hey, let it all fly. <laughs> it's been covered. Check out that podcast for more details. Um, <laughs> but so then all the rest of them were signed up for Westport and Westport was limited to, I think, 200 entries for the Olympic. And I was just really lucky that there was still places available. So I signed up for that straight away. Um, but because COVID was such a big thing this year, the season was like crammed into something like six or eight weeks. Yeah, so I nice. was like the third last weekend and the Westport weekend. So last weekend was actually the last weekend of triathlon this season. Yeah, it was. It was uh, it was kind of mad to see like the big rush on to get as many races is in the, the yeah. national series and stuff. And a lot of athletes just, I suppose they just kind of, usually they'd be kind of peaking and just picking their events and, and kind of being tactical about it. But I, I think most athletes just says, well, we've six weeks, six races, let's go. Um, <laughs> like they just did back to backs. And um, I'd say a lot of, uh, probably similar to her, like, 
a tie didn't go ahead, which kind of put me out. I was away for the Westport one, couldn't do it. Probably didn't because I knew Westport uh, a tie was off, training kind of stopped for me, whereas you were kind of still going. I'd say there was a lot of people that kind of just said, I don't really have an event. I'll just leave it. How do you motivate yourself, even though you don't know where you... How are you motivating yourself to keep going, training every day, even when there's no event? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I suppose, I think I only said this to you there um, earlier, Eric, about um, one of the posts he had up on Facebook during the week about routine is greater than motivation. And I think when you just get into the habit of doing the amount that I'm doing every week, if you miss a day or don't do as much, you kind of feel a bit off, like, okay, something's wrong here. Like, what didn't I do? And I suppose for me, I just love exercising. I don't think I'd do all the crazy stuff I do if I didn't, if I didn't absolutely love exercising. Um, so once you sort of get into that mindset that, look, this is just my habit. I just know that when I come home from work, I maybe grab a coffee, I go straight out on the bike or whatever it is. Um, you can just keep going that way. Um, now, it was hard to keep up the intensity, like especially when you're hearing of things getting cancelled and not being sure. Um, but I suppose I had this goal in my head that I wanted to do. Um, it was my first Olympic distance triathlon. I'd done one previously. So this was the first like big one. Um, and I just had was so determined to do this and to do it well that that really kept me going. Yeah, I'd say it was a good one. And you did do it well. So for someone who was afraid of the water, you took for 1500 meters, 30 minutes. Yeah, I was yeah. 159 for 100. One minute, yes. 59 seconds for 100. Which is very good. Um, phenomenally good. And then your cycle took how long? Um, I think it was just under 38k and it took an hour and seven minutes. So I think I averaged just under 34 kilometers an hour. Which is so again, ridiculously good as well. Because yeah. it was very undulating. So Sean, what's your quickest 10k? I knew this was coming. My quickest 10k was actually when, when I was in the park a couple of years ago in the dark and I had you chasing my backside. And uh, even with you breathing down my neck to make me go faster, it was 46 minutes and 10 seconds. So after all that, Rachel, what was your 10K time? I'll have to check, but it was just under 10K, so a bit short. It was 9.6 and I think it was under 42 minutes. 41 something is right, Jess. 41 something, I've ever seen. I can probably check. I probably... Um, you can tell Rachel is disappointed with a 41 minute 10k. I know, yeah. 41 24. Okay, it was closer to 41. Yeah, well, it was definitely closer to 41, yeah. And uh, she's a little bit disappointed. Uh, the run you felt didn't go your way on the day. Oh, man, like, I probably didn't have the best lead up. So, um in PE about 10 days before the race and taking down the equipment and I got hit in the head with a pole fell on my head so I just had a nice <laughs> shiner and um, was supposed to be doing my first sea swim that day obviously couldn't do that because you know was I borderline concussed, was I not concussed? <laughs> so kind of had to take a few days easy and that means I ended up not running for possibly the two weeks before the race 
Um, I don't recommend that. That was a very bad decision. <laughs> it clearly shows your results are right, Rachel. That was a terrible yeah, decision. You <laughs> How so did you cope? Yeah. You're so Yeah, happy. yeah. So Stop hitting my legs. Head, Rachel. Yeah. I don't know. It either knocked more sense into me or it knocked the remaining sense I had out of me. But, uh, <laughs> I won't be the judge of that. Uh, but then the run, it was two 5K laps and there was about a 1500 meter drag in it. And oh my God, I was not ready for that drag. I had to stop at the top both times, which really frustrated me. But my calves just were really tight. And after being on the bike, I hadn't really done many brick runs, which again, I don't recommend. So brick run is when you run straight off the bike. So I hadn't done very many of those. So my body was kind of like, what's going on? And then going up the hill, my calves just got really tight. And I was like, okay, I was like, I can just keep suffering on here and slow down, or I can just stop for 30 seconds, whatever it is, stretch them out and continue. I ended up doing that on both laps. And you know, that, that worked for me. I'm just doing the maths in my head, Rachel. I'm going to have to stop you there. So Twice you stopped for 30 seconds to stretch. Probably around 30 seconds. Yeah, around 30 seconds. That's like nearly a 40-minute 10K then. Yeah. After the swim and cycle, if you hadn't had to, I, I didn't have to stop. So you're averaging nearly, you're probably averaging four-minute kilometers, roughly, but taking out the two stops for 30 seconds plus. Yeah, most of the yeah, time. maybe. Where, 406, 410, and then you can see where she come up the hill, and then that kilometer was 430, and then the other yeah. kilometer where she stopped was 430, and then everything else. I think your last kilometer was a 350 or something. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely disgusting. Like I had been training between four minute Ks and 410, like any tempo runs I did, things like that. I was trying to aim for that kind of four minute 410 because that's what I reckoned I'd be capable of um but yeah i think my strava clocked it as 415 but i think my strava might have auto paused when when i stopped <laughs> so when part- you're so when you're training towards your, your your you know you're doing 10ks in nearly 40 minutes and, and without the swimming cycle i think it's safe to assume you you would easily get under 40 minutes um you're talking about tempo runs there. Would that be the fastest you run in your training or would you go more um, 400 meter sprints and that kind of thing? Like what, if you, if someone's listening going, oh my God, how can I anywhere close to that, that time for a 10K time? Take it out to the cycle for a second. Is that the fastest you go in your tempos um, and you go faster and then how much of that is is more aerobic based, easier kind of running in, in a given week? Um. I suppose if I was just training for a 10K, like back when I was just running and I wasn't doing any cycling or swimming, well, then you'd vary it. Like there'd be a lot of just easy running. um, And then you do intervals, which would be shorter, snappier, and then your tempo. Um, But for this, for the triathlon training and doing that 10K, I was kind of not doing as much easy running because I was doing so much cycling, which was very aerobic and then swimming could be quite aerobic as well. So I didn't really need to do those just pure runs, like just easy running. Gotcha. They were just going to be junk miles. Um, so I did maybe two sessions a week, some weeks, 
you know, and that might be a tempo run. So what I would do is go out for maybe two by 10 minutes and try and hold um, about four minute Ks between four and four ten. Um, and then I really like the monofartlek. So I'm not sure if that's something that you do, but the monofartlek is really nice because it's um, two by 90 seconds. So fartlek is where you're altering your paces. So you'd have intervals and you do fast and slow alternating. So it starts off with two by 90 seconds. So 90 seconds quick, 90 seconds slow, 90 seconds quick, 90 seconds slow. And then you go on to four by a minute, then four by 30 seconds, four by 15 seconds. So I really like that session. I think that session is very beneficial. So I did that a lot. So obviously by the time you hit the 30 second intervals and the 15 second intervals, you are going quicker than your race pace, because I do think it is very important to go that bit quicker than what you intend to run. Because if you're comfortable going quicker, when you slow down, you're like, oh, this is easy. Like you're going to feel a lot more comfortable for a lot longer. Gotcha. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's really good. It's uh, it, it's definitely something I noticed when we were doing the, uh, we went through the six weeks of the 5K program, Sean, and then moved into yeah. a lot of shorter, sharper stuff. And I, I said to you afterwards, I hate running fast. I hate it. But what the beauty was when I stopped running, trying to run at a 350, I then switched back to running four forties and it just felt amazing. It was like going for a walk, you know, a nice stroll. It was like, ah, four forty. It's so nice. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it is amazing when you, you push yourself along. Uh, it's yeah. It's hard to draw the comparison with Rachel who's running comfortably <laughs> at a four mm-hmm. minute. Um, but it's, it is the same kind of principle. I suppose that um, when you get used to running those kind of shorter, sharper bursts, mentally you're kind of like well this is 40 seconds slower this is okay and even the body kind of compensates for that as well it's like yeah you're right this is a lot easier so you kind of find that happy ground i suppose it just takes practice as well rachel doesn't it probably getting to know your body and and understanding what works yeah absolutely but i'm just here laughing at your comment i hate running fast (laughs) one of my training partners ran past me in that kind of second kilometer, second to third kilometer where we're on the hill. And he just gave me some courage. Like, come on, Rachel. And the only thing I shouted back to him was, I hate running. (laughs) (laughs) So I think mentally my head was probably not in the run as well. So that's the only thing I said to him. (laughs) I hate running. And then I finished and I was like, thank you. I was like, maybe I don't hate it that much. (laughs) The heat of the moment. I hate running on hills might have been a better way to put it when you got when you got over the hills and you're finished uh did you get the bug for triathlons what, what what's how'd you feel after doing that triathlon like, okay, we're, not, we're not finished we're not finished oh we're not finished okay it was our first olympic triathlon yeah and where did you finish Rach? i was 51st overall and ninth female and I think fourth in my age category. <laughs> so pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a much better start to, to what could hopefully be a good triathlon career. 
Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing. Fourth in age category, nine female overall. And bearing in mind, Sean, we've just said that some of these ladies who were competing were all part of the national series. Uh, they are probably, it was the last race for a lot of the the athletes who are competing on a more regular basis um, and training a lot more and probably in their fifth to tenth season of racing triathlons <laughs> and, and Rachel shows up in a Saw Doctors t-shirt and flip-flops and says All right, <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have a go at this why not? Well, uh, well done Rachel absolutely nice class. amazing thank you guys I, I apologise not enough for asking but when Eric does a long race so I do a long race one of the questions we're never asked is uh, so where'd you finish? As in, like, out of everyone, they're just like, oh, you finished, fair play, thumbs up. And never really asked, you know, where or anything that kind of way. Just, just, just as proud we've done. So you've answered my question. It's, it's, you're, you're straight into the triathlons now and, and building towards next season. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I've definitely got the bugs. So just have to keep the swimming up. Right. Not let that go. Because I think that's probably the hardest one to get back and to make improvements on. It is, I, I suppose, like... Right, you, you said there you hate running and probably the reason you say you hate running is you've you've put in your 10,000 hours of running Um, you've already got to that point of ah oh, I'm tired of running I've, I've ran since I'm eight years of age or your first community games or whatever it was but I suppose when you have put in so much hours you can quickly go I think it was something you said to me a few weeks ago uh, that you weren't worried about running because you know exactly what you need to do over the course of six weeks to get it back. And uh, whereas swimming, you probably agree, particularly for myself, and you, you're probably a little bit more experienced now. It's something we haven't put in the hours in. We're probably into the hundreds of hours, not even a thousand hours of practice at it. And it's it is something that probably needs a lot of work. Um, for that, I suppose that if you're going to skip one of the days, it's probably going to be the run over the swim. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because unfortunately, if you don't come from a swimming background, it is very, very difficult to do very well. Um, I suppose if you were looking at going on to championships around the world or whatever it was, um, you know, even take the say the Olympics or any of the Ironmans or anything, a lot of the time, the top people are the ones who are coming out of the water first. Like take um, Christian Blumenfeld, the Olympic champion. Um, He was the quickest out of the water and he had that lead and he was gone. Even the women in the race in Westport, I think in the top five, two of them were female. And we're coming out of the water with the top men. That group of five went on to be the three quickest men and two quickest women in the race. So I think if you're not from a swimming background, it can be very, very difficult to make up that time because swimming, it's so technical. Like, I don't even think you realize it's not just getting into the water. And actually, that's the advice I was given just as I was about to start. It was like, don't go for speed focus on your technique and if your technique is not perfect that can cost you a lot of seconds and I suppose it's just years and years of practice of knowing exactly what good technique is and being able to hold that as you get tired and because even my sister who you know doesn't like she's hoping to try a triathlon 
next year she's really starting to get into it but you know she wouldn't have that much experience in it she was even able to say that my stroke at the start of the swim was completely better than my stroke at the end because you could see the fatigue setting in I wasn't holding that perfect form and that cost seconds um so definitely don't skip the swim yeah it definitely is something and I suppose it is a difficult thing as well obviously COVID you have to book in your swim session it has been difficult for people to, uh, it was it was a kind of a help that we had the lakes we had a good summer in fairness it was warm even if it was raining it was warm and um, I'm hoping through the new year that swim sessions become a little bit easier for people to book into and kind of keep that consistency in swim training it's um the swimming pools being closed definitely hindered a lot of people's progress in swimming I suppose there, there was what 12 months there where a pool wasn't open for general public so it's um something that yeah I hope comes back a little bit more frequent for people and it's not a big ordeal because a lot of times I know myself I've missed a few swimming sessions because I've had to book in the session and then the booking wasn't put in right and the swim was full and you've you've traveled a half hour to go swimming and then you just end up in the gym you haven't you haven't got your swim in again so it's um yeah it's it was a mad inconvenience but hopefully as we move out of the restrictions that some of the people can get into a norm because it is a bit more effort to go swimming it's not just putting on your shoes and your coat and just going out the door so you have to go there there's the shit there's the getting changed before the shower after the whole ordeal of it before work after work and uh, when's the best time to fit it in so it is the easiest one to let go because it does take that little bit more of an effort um and people say and it has said that the swim is kind of the lesser part of the race because it's shorter so you should be spending more time cycling and running but for me it's definitely a case that I should be spending more time swimming if I want to be happy with my times at the end of a race yeah absolutely um because like I suppose with swimming it's measured over your your 100 meter your speed per 100 meter so like I said I came out in the water just under two minutes per 100 but if you're doing 1500 meters that's 1500 meter segments if my maths is correct <laughs> so like yeah. let's say you're only managing 230 well 30 by 15 whatever that is seven and a half minutes added on to your time like you know being a bit slower can actually have a significant effect on your time overall um, and that's like, where I would be I'd be around the 230 mark so that would mean you would have a seven and a half minute head start before I even get out of the water, which is huge. You're never going to make that up on a bike. And even if I in peak, I'd probably run a 420 10K is what I've done in previous. And I'm never making up that time. I'm not going to catch you. I'm not going to catch you on the bike. I'm not going to catch you in the run. So the swimming is the key if you want to kind of improve your ranking i suppose is the best way to do it probably never win the race but i'd like to <laughs> at least be up in a top 25 of my age category at some stage yeah but i do think it does come down to the swim because even just getting out of the water with people around you like i know you're not allowed draft but even just having those people around you you can see the person in front of you you're not going to let them go um on the bike so yeah. you can get out and put yourself in a good position um, it just sets you up for a better race. Yeah, it makes a big difference. And I suppose looking at that, then down from the elite level down to the average Joe level, 
if you're just able to swim at 2.30, breaststroke for half of the race, if you have to just to get it done and you just want to complete it, it's definitely worth doing. Do you not? Do you agree? Oh, I completely agree. Like the whole thing was just such a great experience. Um, and I suppose like I can only compare it to Westport, but Westport was such a fantastic location. Like they start us off, you're right in um, a very sheltered bay, um, very calm waters. Like we just got blessed with the day. Um, but it was just fantastic. Like the whole atmosphere, lovely swim, lovely bike course. You were going down the foot of Croke Patrick um, Clue Bay on one side, the mountain on the other. And it was just stunning. Yeah, it is good. And it there, I suppose you have the luxury with some, some road closures and you, you know, you're safe because you're part of a race and you're, you're doing a race in a place that you, have, you probably couldn't do this exercise on a normal working day in this location because of boats going in and out and the roads being busy. It's, it doesn't have that same feel, the same group mentality. And I have found as well that most people who do triathlons are lovely. Everyone's so encouraging. And I've said it on the show a couple of times. It's, it's just a nice feeling when you're surrounded by all the other athletes. Yeah, it really is. Like even the day before when you were in collecting your number and stuff, it was just a buzz about the place. Um, but yeah, you're definitely right about the people that do triathlon. Um, I mean, just some lovely, lovely characters that you come across. Yeah, it's absolutely lovely. So Rachel, what's next? What is next? Um, I don't really know. There's a few races coming up for duathlon, but again, that's run, cycle, run. So I'm still, <laughs> I would involve a lot more running, a lot less swimming. So I really don't know. Um, again, the one coming up in Nace, I did that at the start of 2020, just before COVID hit. Um, I suppose the only issue I have with that is it starts so late in the day and the road isn't closed off. So I did find that quite terrifying. And um, you've cars, um, you know, the cyclists on both sides of the roads, cars trying to overtake, coming at you from all angles. Um, you know, again, I'm probably a bit overcautious sometimes. Um, so I'll see that that is an option, but <laughs> I'll have to see the time of day it starts at and how busy the road is meant to be. Um, but other than that, just keep on training, just keep doing it because I love it. For someone that's putting in time, that that's trying to get high up in it instead of just doing it for the sake of doing it, having that extra traffic and stuff, it would be very off-putting because you probably can't go all out on the bike because you're afraid of what's coming up behind you, the side of anything else. Yeah, but like the last... an open road, you know it's only the cyclists before and behind. Yeah, like the road was... it. The road was open for the triathlon last weekend, but it was a wide road. The road for the nace right. well, like it's still a wide enough road but it's very twisty there's not much opportunity to overtake for the cars so the last time i did it a car went in front of me but he got stuck behind the cyclist in front of me so then i was stuck at the pace of the car because i couldn't overtake because there was cars and cyclists on the other side of the road you're not supposed to cross the the line in the center of the road so you've all of this stuff to um you know that you have to factor into your race um but yeah that's just i don't know you have to be safe 
There's yeah, definitely some people listening going, she was stuck behind the pace of a car. Who <laughs> <laughs> was stuck behind another cyclist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Them cars aren't driving quick enough for me, John. I'm not doing that race again. <laughs> <laughs> nice and over us. It must have been a sunny evening the race is on. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be paying taxi drivers to drive in front of Rachel while I take them while I pass her over. <laughs> she won't cross. Well, she's gonna get out of the water a good seven and a half minutes before you, so you're having a hope there, but it might help you catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. So Rachel, if we keep up to swimming, are we gonna see you at a world championship, do you reckon? We're gonna say this now, so when you're rich and famous, me and Sean are gonna be like, We called it. <laughs> I don't know. I would love, and I think I said this the last day, that I would love to do uh, 70.3 and then eventually a full Ironman. And you never know. Imagine going as an age grouper to the 70.3 World Champs or even getting to Kona in the Ironman World Champs. Like, I just think that would be amazing. So it's definitely something to work towards. It's definitely something I think would be just the ultimate triathlon experience. So you never know. I'll keep you posted. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll be in touch again. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for giving us the time today to talk about your race. Have you any last minute tips for anyone looking to get training over the winter? Oh, I think like I just went for it, especially with the swim. I just went for it. And like even over the winter, you don't don't try and do two things a day. If you just try and do something six days like not even six days a week but just try and run swim and cycle every week even if you just do them once or twice a week and um, just keep that kind of base ticking over so that when it gets to the summer the weather starts improving you get out more you're not starting from square one you already have that background and just enjoy it okay we might joke about hating running but believe me, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. We wouldn't actually be going out and training if we did hate it. So, um, yeah, just love it, enjoy it, and have fun. Absolutely know, Rachel, brilliant. No other way to cancel the podcast any better than that. So I will say try and love and enjoy your sushi with seaweed later on tonight. <laughs> and that is it from my staff. That's it for myself, Rachel, and three of us. Take care. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye.